So which uh, bit by bit are we doing this week anyway? Oh, you know, I don't know. But you know what, John? I still keep thinking about what you were saying the other day about the house elves. Joe specifically said that no, I remember they were... this. What? I remember this just as well as you. No, she said that just as Dumbledore gave refuge to Dobby, they were free. They So too did Helga. She did not enslave them. There was not. this big elaborate thing with every house elf there with like a Malfoy-like master. That they were all given socks by some other Harry type person, and no, that was just, that's a whole unique but, event with Dobby. No, all but, these but other what? creatures they, they probably won. came in wagons to uh, okay, guys, to the castle. Guys, 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 guys. Hey, oh my god! Hi, how you oh. doing? Hi. Well, we're about to start the show, I guess. Yeah, but. I know, but you just won't do it. There must be an end somewhere to this argument. You know, I, this is this is all very obvious now. She confirmed this to me on Skype. She did what? not. She did. We chat all the time. No, we love her 42. Are you okay. new here? I am not <laughs> new here, but, you know, I don't believe you. Okay, guys, guys, look, look. There will never be another podcast again if we don't get to the bottom of this. I'm going to call someone, okay? Oh, you got a number now, huh? Yeah, yeah, I got a number now. All right. What's this all about? Oh, it's ringing. Good. <laughs> Greetings. Thank you for calling the Hogwarts Muggle Liaison Office. The what? Yeah, guys. If you know your party's extension, please press help. <sighs> Where did this come from, you guys? Hang on. If you are the parent or guardian of a child currently attending Hogwarts, please press 1 now. If you are calling in regard to last week's incident with the giant squid, press 2 now. If you are calling to check on the current status for tickets to any of the upcoming Quidditch matches, <sighs> please press I wanna, 3 I'm now. going. For all other inquiries, please press 4 or stay on the line, and your call will be connected with a house elf in the order it was received. <laughs> no, elf. poor house Guys, elf. No. Trying to figure it out. Faculty directory. What was that? What was Please that? We have press to naught. press zero. I think. Press zero. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Welcome to the faculty directory. Yay! Use your numeric keypad to spell out the last name of the staff member you wish to reach. Ooh, I okay, I got this. I got this. You I got, got it. This. Okay. I got it. Thank you. Please stay on the line. Good afternoon. Oh, no way! <laughs> get away, get away. Hey, Stop. sexy man. <laughs> hang up, hang up. John, Sue! Hang up, hang up. John, why'd you do that? That's too fun. Come on, guys, guys, seriously, seriously. We have, we, have, we have to do the right, right numbers now, okay? Fine. Okay, hang on. Thank you. Code accepted. Please stay on the line. What was that number? This is the number. Hello? Fiddy! Oh, thank God. Oh, who's that? Hello! Guys, hello! Oh, goodness. <laughs> is that Melissa? It, it is. Hi, how you doing? Hi, Melissa. And it I'm sounds like you've got John and uh, Sue with you. Yeah. I do. <clears throat> As usual. Well, <laughs> As usual. Yeah. They're, they're at it again, and we just... I'm going to go crazy. It, it, oh, no. Not the house elves and Hufflepuff thing again, is it? Woohoo! Yeah. Yes! Oh, no. <laughs> well, I think we should sort it out. The best way is probably by asking the expert. I think you're right. Um, well, let me see if we can get a hold of her. Hold on. <laughs> oh, man. This had better not be about house elves. Joe, it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. Hey, Joe! Hello! 
Pedro. Hi. <laughs> well, house elves, go on then. Still, still, well, they are still arguing about this, and I'm sick of it, and we need you to answer it so well, bad. What I'm telling Sue <sighs> is that if she remembered from when we talked about this in New York, yeah. Joe said that Helga, Helga Hufflepuff was a plantation no, owner. refuge. 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 She didn't enslave them. Yeah, no. it's a complicated they, issue. Well, you know, I... I would say that Hufflepuff gave, Hufflepuff did what was uh, the most moral thing to do at that time, and we are talking about over a thousand years ago. So that would be to give them good conditions of work. There, there is no kind of activism there, so no one's going to say, "Here's an idea, let's let's free them, yeah. let's uh, let's <laughs> pay them." It was just, well, we'll we'll bring them somewhere that they can they can. Um, work and not be not be abused yeah but she, she, see but you she did not go around with like a whip and say yeah you must work in the kitchens you know right <laughs> no definitely not that would not be no, see? no not, joe. Well, thank you joe okay okay well let's go into this further joe we are about to get ready to start a recording here we can talk about this for longer if you want you want to join us for a show well i've got nothing better to do <laughs> all right you heard her guys Leaky and Pottercast are proud and excited to bring you a very special interview with the one and only J.K. Rowling. Welcome, welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go! You're wasting time! Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, theories, discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is J.K. Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John and Sue. <laughs> so I, I can't tell you how, how long we've joked in, in a total like outer space fashion about you doing that intro one day. Do you know what my favorite bit was? Melissa, when you posted the thing about anyone got extra questions, what Lucy said, would you like tied up? And the very first comment was, yeah, yeah that's, a strange, that's a strange thing to ask us, Melissa. Almost like someone was coming on who could answer those questions. I really liked that. And I have to, I'm glad you brought it up because I have to apologize to the reader of our site called yes. BimbusXL who actually said that. And I actually came the closest to lying that I've yeah. ever done on Leaky when I told everybody, like, calm down. We'd tell you if it was Joe. Everybody relax. <laughs> Melissa and Nelly, you filthy, filthy liar. Yes. That's me. <laughs> Previously respected web mistress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no more i hand it all in i'm done oh gosh but we wanted we wanted to save the surprise and joe that that's what this hopefully is a nice pre-christmas surprise cool. for for everybody so i'm just more i'm so i'm more excited than anything that john and sue now have have the chance to get in to hear and uh yeah let's talk to we're, we're gonna give it a shot i was stunned silly the last time i saw her i could hardly say anything but well, oh you were i can't really lovely. see her right now so uh, yeah, you're missing nothing. I tell you, I'm not looking good at the moment. A couple, I think, a couple of weeks of Christmas shopping and a lot of he really hectic life has taken it out of me. And you've had quite anyway. a banner day already oh, with the auction too and everything. It's just been amazing for Mr. Beetle. I'm, I, I feel kind of shell-shocked at the moment. We just watched the auction live. This is of um, Beetle the Bard, in case anyone doesn't know what the hell we're talking about. And uh, yeah, it went for one95 a million pounds, and I can't, I can't, um, I can't tell you what that means. It's unbelievable. 
it's just it's just uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm really i'm really staggered and i'm so excited it's going to mean it's just going to make, make a really big difference to the charity and it and also and it was a means of raising awareness of the charity mm. which was at least as important as the money so it's really done that job it's oh god i'm so happy can't tell you Oh, well, it's just brilliant. And, and, you know, but we're all so curious, though, Joe, is there any little tidbits that you can reveal now? What about Beetle the Bard, the mm-hmm. stories thereof? Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you, I, let's think, Wizard in the Hopping Pot yes. is kind of a, it's, it, the moral really is, it's to teach young wizards and witches that they should be using their magic altruistically. Oh, okay. um, then Fountain of Fair Fortune is my favorite one. Oh. And that's really about the qualities you need to achieve your heart's desire and the moral being that magic ultimately is not the best weapon. Warlock's hairy heart is really, it's quite gothic. It's quite dark, that one. And Voldemort would have done well to know that story before he set out on his campaign of terror. Uh, Babbity Rabbity and Her Cackling Stump is the stupidest title ever written by (laughs) man or beast. And of course, when I wrote it, I never, I had not at the point when I gave Ron that title. I didn't imagine for a second that I was actually going to write the story. Yeah. And I did have a small, there was this kind of margin of time where I could have, where I, where I knew I was going to write Beetle the Bard and the book wasn't published. We were still editing and I could have gone back and changed the titles. And I, I, I really liked the idea of keeping those titles and then finding out what the stories were. So, but Babbity Rabbity was, was a challenge. Uh, <laughs> but I did get there and it's a story about revenge, one witch's sort of cunning way of revenging herself for personal persecution for muggle persecution and then you know the tale of the three Mm. brothers yeah which is the last one in the book so i've just given them to you chronologically as they appear in the book i loved writing them i I really really loved writing them but i have to say that before i had the idea of of producing the books to say thank you to these key people i um (laughs) i imagine there would be like about 30 tales of Beetle the Bard. And after I had the idea of writing them out by hand seven times, turned out they were just the five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I can't thank you enough for that copy, Joe. I've been reading it to the girls here over the weeks. And- yeah, did you like it? The, the diamond encrusted version. It was amazing. And, and you know, the cover was beautiful. I, you, you don't think it's a bit too bling? <laughs> well, no. I mean, I have a lot of that stuff on my wall uh-huh. already, so it just kind of fit right in perfectly. John, it was my pleasure. So Thank you thank you for oh. the inspiration. <laughs> it was a pleasure to read it. You know, I do what I could. So. And, and did you like the dedication? You were right all along about Hawkery. Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> There's that you know, word! Nobody would believe me. <laughs> Well, I did. I, oh, he's never going to let it stop. I did write him a letter and I did say that actually Hawkery is, I mean, it occurred to me, you know, it, it really would have been, I think, a more correct plural, but I already had him fairy and I didn't want to have too many, um, you know, dark arts weapons ending in our eyes. So it was a, it was a kind of stylistic choice, really. I like Horcruxes as a plural. It's grown on me as too. As a linguist. Oh, thanks, John. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <you're> <laughs> See, this is why I give him copies of the Beetle the Bard. He's a generous man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, Joe, but that, those Horcruxes, though, I tell you, uh, there's so much to ask still about those, you know? I mean, who, okay, we have to know, who created the first Horcrux? Was it Grindelwald? Salazar? Who did that? Do you know yeah. what? I, I've got a feeling it was Herpo, which is H E R. P.O. I, th- I, th- Herpo, I think I call him Herpo that- the Fowl. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, wizards would have been looking for ways to do exactly what Voldemort did for years. And some of the, some of the ways they would have tried would have killed them. Um, so you need, so I, I, I imagine it, 
well, there's a, there are huge parallels. Splitting the atom would be a very good parallel in our world. Something that people imagine might be able to be done, but couldn't quite bring it off. And then, and then people started doing it with sometimes catastrophic effects. So that's how I see the Horcrux. Right, because you said that Tom Riddle said there had been, or Dumbledore did. Somebody said that there was only one person. Right? Slughorn. Okay, and we were just yeah, but you, yeah, but, yeah, but I would imagine that we were... other people, you know, other people are going to have tried. I mean, I, I think it would be naive not to think that people have been trying for a long time and and thought they succeeded and hadn't, or else, or else, you know, maimed themselves or killed themselves in the attempt. It's such a dangerous thing to do. Oh, evil thing, you know, just yeah. What is the process? Do you? Is there a spell? Is there a? What do they have to do? I see it as a as a series. Of, of, of things you have, would have to do. So you would have to perform a spell. But you would also, I, I don't even know if I want to say it out loud. I yeah. know that sounds funny, but I did, I did really think it through. There are two things that I think are too horrible actually to go into detail about. <laughs> One of them is uh, how Pettigrew brought Voldemort back into a rudimentary body. Yeah. Because I told my editor what I thought happened there and she looked as though she was going to vomit. And then, and the other thing is how you make a horcrux. And I don't even like, I don't, I don't know. Will it be an encyclopedia? I don't know if I can bring myself to, um, I don't know. Oh, Joe, you mentioned well, the I, E word. It's like, oh, the, oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, we should call it something like the Scottish book. Yeah. <laughs> the Scottish book. Oh, jeez. You don't well, want to curse you... it now, Joe. <laughs> it well, must not be mentioned live on air. Yeah, exactly. We can't wait for that. We, we, hope you, we hope you get on that as soon as you feel comfortable doing so. Yeah. That, it's not will, like... will it be okay if that's 10 years? <sighs> No one we'll laughed. No, one laughed. <laughs> no, listen, I, I absolutely do intend to do it, but I, I, you know, I can't pretend that I'm, I'm in, in a hurry right now. It's, it's going to be a hell of a lot of work, but I have, you know, I've kept everything and it's, I know where things are and yeah, at some point I will, I will get myself together and do it. I was going to offer just in case you needed help on that particular chapter. Um, I've got a lot of baby pictures and childhood anecdotes for the oh, dolls no. chapter. Here we go. That might just help fill things in a little bit. You know what? Again, John, you're always there when I need you. That's great. That would be great. <laughs> you, know. you know, Joe, he, he idolizes a, a, a man, an arg, who got pwned by an old lady wearing a dead bird on her head, you know, in her hat. Now, come on. <laughs> You guys, now they don't understand this, Joe. I, I know, I know. We've talked about this. <laughs> they don't understand the night that that this. They call it a duel. It wasn't a duel, at least in my mind, anyway. I I think it needs a little explaining of how somebody as you know as skillful as Dawlish, you know, could have yeah you know you uh-huh. know got taken down like this. John, <laughs> and feel free to let all the air out of my cells. That's Listen, fine. John maintains like. that she sucker punched. You know what? I, yeah, she sucker spelled. I find them. it so incredibly endearing that you like Don Dawlish, <laughs> and that's why his his name is now John Dawlish, as we know. In tribute to you, and that will indeed be a note in the encyclopedia oh or the God. Scottish book, as we are now calling it. <laughs> yes, Dawlish had to be good. He had to be good because he, he became an aura. There's there's no denying that. But he has his weaknesses and Dumbledore knew how to exploit them. You know, oh, and, I, and let's face it, anyone, anyone going up to Dumbledore pre-trying on the Horcrux, pre-maiming his hand, anyone is going to be in trouble going up against Dumbledore. Even Voldemort didn't want to do it. So it's no dishonor to Dawlish. 
Well, certainly. Though, was was Dumbledore involved in in weakening I mean, they him? They said it was Mrs. Longbottom. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I'm after so you know. By the time by the time Augusta Longbottom got to him, he had been. Oh, right. Several people oh. had uh, had uh, attacked Dawlish. I mean, I think he was a bit punch drunk by that point. <laughs> you know, he had become a favorite um, a, fa- a favorite punch bag of the Order of the Phoenix by then. So uh, I. I don't think he was firing on all cylinders, but um, but no, I, I really saw Mrs. Longbottom as a as a powerful witch. Yes. So yes. um, sorry. I suppose. Do you know I I went down to Leavesden recently and I saw um, Michael Gambon with his uh, with his withered hand. That was quite exciting. Yeah. Gosh. There was just a funny report about Michael Gambon, and we're pretty sure he was joking about about that he. He had was scandalized to learn that one of his lines was lifted directly from the book and was <laughs> railing around, cursing and throwing things. <laughs> How dare they use your He's, words, Joe? <laughs> listen, my, Michael has a very good, very good and very dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And uh, you should really, he's a, yeah, he's a funny man. And you should bear that in mind and not, and not take things as they may appear flat on the page. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Dumbledore, yeah, yes, we, we want to talk about Dumbledore so bad. We know that you've created worldwide intrigue when you said that he's gay. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you about homosexuality in the wizarding world in general. Is it a taboo? Now, that's something I never thought of. I, I would think that, that would be, it would be exactly what it is in the muggle world. But the greatest taboo... In the, in the wizarding world is, well, for some wizards, I mean, if we're talking about prejudiced people within the wizarding world, what they care most about is your blood status. So I think you could be um, gay, pure blood, and totally without any kind of criticism from the, from the Lucius Malfoys of the world. I don't think that would be something that would interest him in the slightest. But, you know, I, I can't answer for all witches and wizards because I think on in matters of um, the heart, it would be directly parallel to our world. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, the, the reaction was so astronomical to that. Well, I, you know, I said it to you, Melissa, before, I think that uh, mm. to me it's wrong not to answer a question honestly. I just think that's immoral. And I was asked that question by uh, a young woman at Carnegie Hall who prefaced her question by saying, these books have helped me be more fully myself. Well, I mean, that's just one of the most wonderful things anyone has ever said to me about the books. And then she asked, has Dumbledore ever been in love? Now, I, you know, so I was absolutely honest about how I saw the character. I always imagined that Dumbledore was gay. Um, How relevant is that to the books? Well, it's only relevant if you considered that his feelings for Grindelwald, as revealed in the seventh book, were an infatuation rather than a straightforward friendship. That's how I think, in fact, that's I know that some perhaps sensitive adult readers had already seen that. I don't, th- I don't think that came as a big surprise to some adult readers. I think a child would see a friendship and a, and a very devoted friendship, but the, these things also occur. So I... How relevant is it? Well, to me, it was only relevant in as much as Dumbledore, who was the great um, defender of love and and, and who sincerely believed that love was the greatest, most powerful force in the universe, was himself made a fool of by love. That, to me, was the interesting point, that in his youth... He was. He became infatuated with a man who was almost his dark twin. He was as brilliant. He was morally bankrupt. And Dumbledore lost his moral compass. He wanted to believe that Grindelwald was what he wanted him to be, which I think is what particularly a young person's love 
tends to do. We fill in uh, the blanks in, in the beloved's uh, personality with the virtues we, we would like them to have. So Dumbledore was wrong and his judgment was entirely, was very suspect at that time. And of course, it was more than being infatuated. Grindelwald appeared to be offering him a solution to this horrible dilemma. I mean, Dumbledore was not cu- cut out to his shame to be a carer. He was cut out to go out onto the world stage and be a brilliant man. He knows that about himself and he's ashamed of it. So it's a complicated issue. But yeah, that's the way I always saw Dumbledore. It wasn't a particularly big deal to me. And I had never once before been asked at an event about Dumbledore's romantic life. I'd been asked other things about him. But I have to say that until... Hallows was published, people were mostly interested in the trio's futures and Dumbledore's backstory. In fact, I remember, Melissa, when you and Emerson uh, interviewed me after Half-Blood Prince was published, we were talking about what fans should be asking. And I said, Dumbledore's family. I didn't want to say Dumbledore's past, but, but Dum- you know, Dumbledore's family would be a profitable line of inquiry because i always knew that he had this this tragic story from his from his late teens there that was a long answer no it was brilliant but but it was a full answer oh we love full answers Uh, you know i i guess you know oh people are gonna yell at me like you care come on okay i mean we love when he starts sentences that way (laughs) just trying to save a little face i know a few people out there have been wondering if uh madam hooch had ever been in love (laughs) (laughs) you know what madam hooch really did not have any kind of romantic backstory (laughs) well not of my invention i don't know we'd have to go and trawl the fanfic for that (laughs) i'm sure we'd find it joe yeah i I bet we Um, would (laughs) i think there's categories of it actually yeah So we were talking about ships, though. Can we talk about romance, romance at all? Yeah, we can talk about romance. I don't know. The last time we did this, Joe, quite a lot of hubbub followed. (laughs) Really? (laughs) You know. But it's fun. It's fun hubbub. Yeah, okay. But before before we get too into romance, I wanted to get something cleared up. Okay. After we came back from Carnegie Hall, we brought back your message of Harry is kind of not really a Horcrux. And I don't want to dwell too long on Horcruxes, but I'd love to hear you talking about how he is or isn't or wasn't. Well... I'll tell. I tell you. I, do you know what? This will not end the discussion. I am. I, you know. No. I, am, I know that. And you know that. But here is here is the thing. For convenience, I had Dumbledore say to Harry, "You were the Horcrux he never meant to make." But I think, by definition, a Horcrux has to be made intentionally. So, because Voldemort never went through the grotesque process that I imagine creates a Horcrux with Harry. It was just that he had destabilized his soul so much that it split when he was hit by the backfiring um, curse. And so this part of it flies off and attaches to the only living thing in the room and part of it flees in the very close to death, the limbo state that uh, Voldemort then goes on and exists in. I, su- I suppose it's very close to being a Horcrux, but Harry was not, did not become an evil object. He wasn't, he didn't have curses upon him that, that the other Horcruxes had. He himself was not contaminated by carrying this bit of parasitic soul. The only time he ever felt it stirring and moving was in, the, in Order of the Phoenix when he himself goes through a very dark time and there's a moment where he's looking at Dumbledore and he feels something rear like a snake inside him. And of course, at those times, it's because the, the piece of 
soul inside him is is feeding off his emotions he's he's going through a dark time and that piece of soul is enjoying it and making its presence felt but he doesn't know what he's feeling of course also i i always imagine that the sorting hat detected the presence of that of that piece of soul when uh when harry first tried it on because it you know it's strongly tempted to put him in slytherin so that's how I wow. see it. Now I know that won't end, that won't end the debate, but I do think that the strict definition of Horcrux, once I write the Scottish book, will have to be given, <laughs> yes. and that the definition will be that a receptacle is prepared by dark magic to become the receptacle of a fragmented piece of soul, and that that piece of soul was deliberately detached from the master soul to act as a future safeguard or anchor to life and a safeguard against death. So I, that doesn't really clear anything yeah. up. I think that's, well, I think it, it, oh, it, 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 it elucidates what I believe, <laughs> but I don't think it's necessarily yes. going to um, convince people who have a strong feeling one way or the other on the matter. You know what? That's been the case with most of Harry Potter. <laughs> I give my explanation yeah. <laughs> and it just fuels more debate. Okay. I, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about that just a second ago, I had just been reading um, Philosopher's Stone. There was a chapter when Harry goes to sleep for the first time. And uh, he's in his dormitory and he has a dream that you wrote he never remembers again. And it was being tempted, you know, go to Slytherin. I thought maybe at that point that might have also been that little piece of Voldemort in there wreaking havoc on his dreams really early on. Well, of course, the pain he feels whenever Voldemort is particularly active is this piece of soul seeking to to rejoin the, the master soul. When his scar is hurting him so much, that's not scar tissue hurting him. That's this piece of soul really wanting to get back out the way it, the, the way it entered. You know, it, it really wants to, you know, it, it, it entered this boy's body through a wound and it, it wants to, it wants to rejoin the, the master. So when Voldemort's near him, when he's particularly active, this, this mm, connection, oh my gosh. it was always there. That's what I always imagined this pain was. Yes. So there you go. There's a moment when, <laughs> when Dumbledore, casts a charm and you see a two-headed snake split. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, in essence, divided. Yeah. That's in his office, yeah. right? It's in, in, it's in Dumbledore's divided. office and he suddenly does these strange, mm-hmm. um, he, he performs this strange piece of magic in which he watches images and these are his, and the snake dividing, that's the way he sees Voldemort's soul di- dividing. So he's, he's, he's playing through his own theory about what's happened and his theory is, of course, correct that, that um, Voldemort, as summed up by the snake, divided. So Harry never understood what the two-headed snake was all about, but that's what it, that's what it was. You know, you just answered a question that people have been asking about, talking about that essence divided, what that meant. So, in essence yes. divided, you, exactly. In, the essence yeah. being the soul. So Dumbledore yeah. knew all along that he, he's, he must have, well, he suspected until Chamber of Secrets. And then at the point where he saw what was clearly the remains of a Horcrux, in other words, the diary, he thinks, okay, there you go. And not only has he definitely done it, but he's got to have more than one because he's treated this one very casually. So it's, can I ask this? This is kind of a random question, but if, if Harry had this, this Horcrux in him, sort of would he have actually have died like say when the dragon could have killed him or when he was falling during quidditch or anything could he have actually well you've died? got to if his body had been irreparably destroyed yeah. It, yeah he has to die to get rid of that piece of soul he's got a, his body has got to be irreparably damaged so a lot of people asked and I, I think I've answered this since, but a lot of people immediately said, having finished Hallows, <gasps> but then yeah. that means in Chamber of Secrets when, you know, he was pierced by the basilisk. Oh, right. uh, but no, 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 he didn't die. He didn't die. That was yeah. stated right in the beginning with the Horcrux. The receptacle has got to be destroyed. His body wasn't destroyed. He got a bit poisoned and then he got the antidote immediately. So, you know, it's that, that's not going to drive out this piece of soul. 
sorry if I sound frustrated, but occasionally, no, no, that's clear you know what? That's awesome. it, occasionally, yeah. you, you know, you, you feel some frustration in that people, please just read the book because it's there and then ask, <laughs> you know, ask something that's not there. That would be, you know, which plenty of people do, don't get me wrong. But on that one, I felt there was a certain feeling of God. weariness. <laughs> Now I'm nervous. No, 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 don't be nervous. It was, uh, yeah, but because I was so careful with with this stuff, and it's, I don't know if you've seen on my website. I recently did a small number of updates, and yes, thank you. One of the things on there was um, it's, it's about the end and how Harry survived right at the end. That fight when he he doesn't fight and Voldemort uses the killing curse on him. Well, I, it was important for me to say on the website, I never saw this. I as in as in the finale. The finale of the denouement, the moment when Harry faces Voldemort, is prepared to die, and it doesn't die. That isn't a, like a scientific equation. Harry, it, it's not guaranteed. There has to be space to make Harry truly heroic for free will. It has to be his choice. The whole thing's his choice. He chooses to sacrifice himself, just as Lily chose to sacrifice herself. He chooses to pull himself back to life. And that's his, you know, his own will and courage. So ultimately, those things, all of them, were more important than the magic. Wow. My brain is firing in so many different directions right now because I, I got like, like a questions. thousand questions. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm sitting here biting my tongue. Because yeah. I like want to ask you about your website and then I want to ask you about love. And it's just like, yeah, we were, we were going to talk oh. about romance and then we got sidetracked. Yeah, sorry. I am no Ravenclaw and I, I read these books just because I love them and I, I'm in just and I'm enamored of the world that you've created. And Thank and the you. one character I do see in myself is someone named Neville Longbottom. I love and Neville. Neville. I love Neville so much. Always loved Neville. And I always saw and I always had big plans for Neville, you know? And he he really was the boy it could have been. Because as you know, yeah. as I make clear, he was born hours before Harry. He was born on the thirtieth of July. Voldemort singled him out as the other possibility. But the great thing about Neville's story for me, the the overarching story about Neville, is that he proves himself to be a boy who could have done it too. Yeah, Harry had the scar and arguably Harry had an edge more talent because Harry, he has an extraordinary instinct for the right thing to do. He's he's just got the right instinct and that's what would make him in due course a phenomenal aura. But Neville was... I think, amazing in the final battle and proved yes. himself a hundred times over worthy of being a Gryffindor, his his parents' son, despite the very difficult childhood that he had at the hands of his very pushy grandmother. And I know she loves him and he loves her, but she's not an easy person to, to be raised no. by. So yeah, so that for me was the big thing about Neville. He was a... Uh, He's not on a surface. I suppose he's not as cool when it comes right down to it. Although Harry, of course, yeah. made himself cool. He was a scrawny little yeah. kid in glasses. And he comes through <laughs> and becomes, he becomes the guy everyone wants to know. Yeah. You know, the scene, you've written so many brilliant scenes. But I, I personally think one of your most powerful you. scenes was when Neville goes into St. Mungo's. And I, and I understood when I was listening to that scene that Neville probably never had the love of his mom and understood that, like, hugs, you know, all he had got were these... Yeah, all rappers. he got were these elderly relatives who just wanted him to match up. Why aren't, why aren't you matching up? And I, the trouble is, I think, that they would be the kind of people who forget what, what being young is like and want him to be, imagine themselves to have been prodigies and, and expect him to match up to really an impossible standard. So I, feel, I felt so sorry for Neville from the word go, but I knew that he was going to have a comparable journey to, to Harry's, and he, and he does. And bizarrely, Matthew Lewis, who plays Neville, yeah. has undergone oh, a, bis, a bigger 
physical transformation yes, than any yeah. other person who works on those films to the point that when yeah. I went to the read-through of Half-Blood Prince, that yeah. we were all sitting in this great square. Well, they put all the tables from the great hall into this big square, so everyone's facing inwards for the read-through. And facing me cool. were Dan and Rupert and Emma and Ivana and Bonnie and, you know, the, the main lot. And then there's this really big, cool guy sitting there with a bit of stubble yeah. and wearing this woolen hat and a leather jacket. And I didn't recognize him. And my eyes pass on and I, I sort of thought, oh, that'll be the guy they've got playing McLagan, you know? Yeah. And then I thought, where's, where's Matthew? And I awesome. look back and, my God, when did that happen? So he's, he's really a very cool dude. And, um, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he, they, he and Devon and Ivana and Bonnie all came to my um, reception for uh, Beetle the Bard last Monday. It was great to see them. It was so nice. Oh, that's so cool. cool. Yeah. Can, can we just ask a kind of sad thing, though? What did the Longbottoms do that they earned that wrath from Bellatrix? Such, you know, there were three times like the, the Potters. Price they were efficient. The Dark Lord. They, they were efficient. Mm-hmm. That's all they needed to be to earn her wrath. They, were, they had rounded up Death Eaters. They were very good auras. They knew what they were doing. They were responsible for a lot of, um, a, a lot of captures and, uh, and arrests and imprisonments. And uh, so there you are. What about the three times, the thrice-defying of Voldemort? Of James and Lily? Of uh, Neville's parents. Well, James and Lily, too. Well, I mean, it depends how you take um, defying, doesn't it? I mean, if you're counting... Well, which I do. Um, anytime you arrested one of his henchmen, um, anytime you escaped him, anytime you thwarted him, that's what he's looking yeah. for. And both couples qualified because they were both fighting. Also, James and Lily turned him down. That's established in Philosopher's Stone. He wanted them, and they and, wow. they, wouldn't, and they wouldn't come over. So that's that's one strike against them before they were even out of their teens. Rock. It's so cool. I was glad to hear more about them the night of their murder in in Deathly Hallows, but. There's still a little bit of uh, confusion about that 24 hours, Joe. <laughs> and then how did Dumbledore find out what happened in Godric's Hollow? And what happened? There's this whole 24 hours that's like people have been fantasizing about for, for years. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I've got a bit of a problem with this myself because every time I think it's straight in my head, I go back and look at what the fans are theorizing about. And I think, yeah, maybe they've got a point. Um, Dumbledore, well, there, there's an easy answer to how would Dumbledore know because you can... He, you can, one can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me if I speak as though it's all real for a moment. Um, <clears throat> it is real. What do you mean it's not? <laughs> That's how we all do it. I know, exactly. That's how I feel as well. Yeah, so, okay. Obviously, Dumbledore could cast a charm on a dwelling that would that would immediately alert him if, if something happened to it. So he, he could know instantaneously. That's not a problem um, at all. And then he could dispatch Hagrid and so on. But um, I think the Scottish book will have to answer that question. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to really go back through notes and either admit that I lost 24 hours, or yeah. I don't know, hurriedly come up with some backstory to fill it. <laughs> either way, you you either get to be right or you get more story, so you can't complain. Yeah. Okay, no. <laughs> and now, now I have to ask, uh-huh. and oh, I don't know if it's something that you that that you have probably haven't even decided it yet. But uh, when when you do go back and you do. You know, in 10 years, so be it, mm-hmm. do the Scottish book. Are you thinking more in line of a, like a, like a, like an account of, of events or more like, like small, small stories for things? Well, to be honest, John, at the moment, but I'm not going to say don't hold me to this, but you know, I'm just going to say this might change, but I imagined it as half of it. I mean, maybe on facing pages, but that might be difficult to do just through, through layout. But the ideal would be to have 
say on the left hand side, you've got a page showing all your backstory, extra details on characters, or an entry on wands showing what every character's wand was and all of this stuff. Mm. And then I think Mm -hmm. also it might be interesting to have information about the actual writing and what I discarded. So on one side, it's acting as though the whole world is true and I'm giving you extra information on that real world. And on the other side, we're admitting that it's actually a fiction and I'm showing... Yeah, discarded plots, characters that didn't make it, problems in the plot. I think I think both lots of information are interesting. So it would be it would be nice to unite both of them. Absolutely, oh my goodness. you know that, that sounds like like a student's textbook. Yeah, where yeah. You know, in, in the margins they have you know fact <laughs> tables and things, and then there's also like snippets of stories that they rescued from things, and then. Well, exactly. To be honest, I think the only the point of doing it, if I'm going to do it. It's about doing the absolute definitive giving people everything guide. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything. Could I ever give everything? But everything that I've got, put it that way. That's what I would aspire to at the moment. It might, for practical reasons, not be possible to do both sets of information in that way. But I, I would like to. That would be the ideal. I yeah. think fans would wait 10 years for something yeah. like that. Oh, well, if that's, if that's the case, then I'm delighted because I don't... You yeah. know, what I really... I mean, I don't want to get into, God knows, I do not, this near Christmas, yeah. want to talk yeah. about legal stuff. It's just too depressing. But I think there's no point me doing it unless it's 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 amazing. <laughs> I think there's no point yeah. me writing it unless it is everything. And the last thing I want to do is to feel that I have to rush something out because, right. do you know what I mean? My hand has been forced or I've got to rush it out because there's demand and other people will fill it first. I, I think I just, I want to do it right or not do it at all. And, and I really do want to do it right. Well, I'll wait 10 years if you give me a little bit of the history of Hufflepuff and then, and then I'll be just happy. Camp. Yeah, well, I would definitely, you know, that's um, <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Oh, Hufflepuff. It's been 130 some weeks and we've managed to get you on the show. So, I mean, 10 years, what's it matter? Yeah, what's we it get, matter? Uh, <laughs> that's the spirit, John. No. I don't know. You guys are being very permissive about this whole 10 years thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Let's, know. let's not expand that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Since you mentioned Hufflepuff, I want to ask a, a sort of specific question about, about Hannah. Yes. Hannah. Hannah Abbott. The, yes. Yeah. Yes. I like There's her. a line in Deathly Hollows when Harry yeah. sees the uh, someone that he thinks might be Hannah Abbott's long lost relatives. What's her deal? Is she a muggle-born? Is she, did she lose oh, her family? Oh, you mean the grave? Yeah. Uh, no, she's she's not Muggleborn. She's no. I'm pretty sure Hannah's a, a pureblood. I know her mother died. In an old documentary, you showed a picture that had like all the the, the family associations, and Hannah appeared to be Muggleblood in the in Did the fans' she? careful deconstruction. Because of that I tell picture. you what, if that's the case, I've I've got that notebook, and that's one of my cornerstone notebooks. In that case, then I have been misremembering that because I thought she was pureblood. But mm, interesting. Because I've I've oh, certainly I've certainly written about her and thought about her for mm-hmm. years now as as pure blood, so that's interesting. <laughs> Maybe we'll just split the difference and call her half blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how decisions are taken in the fairly random world of J.K. Rowling. <laughs> I didn't care though because Hannah goes on to become landlady at the Leaky Cauldron, my favorite pub, and I was damn right she does. And I think that's a very cool. I think that's a pretty cool career, and I think that makes Neville quite yeah. cool that he married her. Don't yes, you think? it does. Woo-hoo! Yes. Oh, yes, thank you, <laughs> thank yes. you, Joe. 
I my loved pleasure. It. You know, I love your website. You made Hufflepuff, you know, when you did the four founders and, and you had all that stuff. So we are really, really grateful to learn about all those things. So Thank you. Bring it on. I, I know that the, the website's been really quiet lately. I said in my diary entry, people around me keep saying, oh, I must be really quiet now. They have no idea. The second half of 2007 <laughs> has been insane and manic and strange right. and uh, full of stuff that I'd really rather not deal with. And I'm afraid to say the website's one of the things that kind of went by the by. I hoped oh. by starting the website, which I've enjoyed so much, it's been a great way to directly communicate with fans and definitely the most effective way I could have found. I was getting a lot of pressure or a lot of requests to do a, a fan club, you know, from people oh, who wanted yeah. to run it and people who wanted to have a fan club. And I, I really didn't want to do a fan club because I thought that it, they're, they're, they're nearly never as good as they promised to be, you know, and and, and, and they're never free and it's you've got to pay and then a lot of material needs to be generated. And so I thought doing the fan, the fan site, creating that, at least it would be free and people would feel that, you know, they were getting something. So if there was a quiet phase, then it wouldn't matter too much. I, I do need to update and I will. I will. Yes, because we're dying about those wombats, you know. You oh, mean, God. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I've got to tell you, the wombats are done. I'm sorry. I'm, there are no more wombats. Okay. I'm sorry. I did. Yeah, you know, I worked really hard on those wombats. Well, but what was the purpose of them, though? Just for fun? Just to do those? I mean, why did you? If we felt like, oh man, we're like. I'll tell you what it was, and this is kind of sad. Yeah. I was told that it would be very unwise to put hints about Hallows on my site because we had enormous trouble on Half-Blood Prince because I had put hints about it and then it was argued in court by people who wanted to put the whole book on the internet or oh. press people who oh. had got hold of it and wanted to put it out early and um, they would there, an argument would be, well, you put it on your, on your site so we have the right to put it up as well. So I was told it would be very foolish to start putting chapter headings and so on up. I would I would be weakening my own case against people who wanted to do spoilers. So then I started looking for something that I could give fans that wasn't foreshadowing. Although I hope you noticed, sorry, I'm going off a, t- a slight tangent. Yeah. I was going to say to give fans stuff that wasn't foreshadowing book seven. But in fact, if mm-hmm. you were paying attention, Wombat 3 had loads of stuff <laughs> from book seven in it. <laughs> and no yeah. one knew and no one realized, <laughs> including <laughs> the lawyers. Yay. So I win. <laughs> Yay! Yes, you do. You go, girl. That's Thank you. So, so um, actually, there was a, there was a whole lot of stuff in Wombat Three that was taken from Seven, and it, and people picked up on it on some of it. I had some stuff in there about Gryffindor Sword and a few other things. So, will you put up the answers so that people can can kind of figure it do you out? You know, I could. I could put. Would you like that? Would that, yes, would please. Love that. that would be fun. <laughs> okay, that would be cool. It did amuse me. I can't remember. Someone gave, we, we, some site gave a guide to what you should be putting. And I think people who followed their, their um, advice were not getting the top marks. So uh, no. anyway, there you I, go. I mean, I got, I got an O on all of mine. He did. Uh-huh. Really John, need the sure. Did you? Well, the embarrassing thing is my husband only got acceptable and he was in the room while I was writing the questions <laughs> and was listening to me telling him the answers. So uh, what that says about how much my husband listens to me, I shudder to think. That sounds very much like a Hermione Ron kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. we have our moments, believe you me. Yeah, so he, he got an acceptable and then got discouraged and didn't take another one. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's very Ron. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, speaking of Ron Hermione. Yeah, did they graduate from Hogwarts? Yes, did they? Harry and Ron didn't go back. Hermione did. <gasps> Ooh, oh, my Is that, did you bet right? 
you must have. You, I mean, come on, no one, no one's going to think Hermione wouldn't go back. I predicted, yeah. Well, of I course, did, she'd yeah. go back. She has to get her newts. Ron yeah, would. I mean, Ron was really done with schooling. <laughs> I think yeah. that um, you yeah. know it would be kind of tempting to go back just to just to mess around for a year and have a break. But he he goes into yeah. the aura department. He's needed anyone anyone who was in that battle on the right side. Kingsley would want them to help clean up the. I mean, anyone, uh, you know, who's old enough to do it, who's over age. But uh, Kingsley would have wanted Ron, Neville, Harry, and they would have all gone and they would have all done done the job. And I think that that would have been a good thing for them, too, because to to, to go through that battle and then be relegated to the sidelines, I think they would have felt a need to keep going and finish the job. So that would have been rounding up the... Uh, really the the corrupt people who were doing a Lucius Malfoy and trying to pretend that they weren't really involved. Wow. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, we, we had all been thinking of these big complicated, we always overcomplicate things. Yeah, like, you do. You know, maybe maybe they that. do this distance, <laughs> they, they do this distance learning kind of thing where <laughs> they're working calls. in school from home. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. exactly. Yes. We were imagining Hermione on the back of the dragon on the deluxe edition doing her new yeah. yeah, we did. You know, <laughs> no, she would definitely, definitely go back and she would want to graduate. And I think that she was, I mean, I love Hermione. She went with Ron and um, Harry because she has a really good heart. That's not about brain. Ultimately, she had a bigger heart than she had a brain. And that's saying something for Hermione. Um, but did she, was she naturally drawn to battle? No, she wasn't. She's not a Bellatrix. She's not, su- she's not a woman who actually wants to be hurting, fighting, killing, not at all. She would be glad to go back to school, be glad to get back to study, and then would join them at the ministry. Now, you know what I'm curious about now mm-hmm. is that one of the neatest things I think about the Hogwarts tradition is the entrance ceremony, you know, the, from the whole riding the boats to the castle to the sorting ceremony. What kind of uh, traditions is there for graduation and, and leaving Hogwarts? Do you know, John, I'm really glad you asked that because I felt a huge sadness that I wouldn't write a graduation scene. Yeah. You know, I really did. I knew, I mean, I knew from early days that they we were never going to see them graduate i knew that he would well not he that they all three of them would would not uh, we would not see them at school during what should have been their final year of education but i really during the final book i kept thinking it would have been i felt sad that it the book wasn't going to end with that feast scene the graduation scene but it couldn't you know it just couldn't that's not the way it could have ended it it would have felt far too trite and I mean, you know, a lot of people felt the epilogue was too sentimental. I think to have them, you know, a graduation scene on top of what had just happened yeah. would have been an absurd <laughs> bit of Aww. anticlimax. Did you have like ideas for kind of traditions that they would do? Like, you know, ride the boats back out of Hogwarts oh, or yeah, something? Definitely. Obviously, I don't, no, I'm not as no, cute as thinking. No, I think the boats would have been the most poetic and beautiful way to get to, for them to leave. And um, symbolic in that they, Harry wouldn't have seen the Thestrals. Again, you know what I mean? It would have been a return to innocence, really. And passage over water is so symbolic, um, in, you know, in history of, uh, of magic. So, yeah, it yeah. would great. You've just, Joe, you've just hit on something that happens all the time here on Powdercast. John says he throws out some, some nonsense thing that he just thought of off the top of his head. It turns out to be accurate. And then it's the perfect thing. And it turns out to be accurate. I can't tell you how much he got right in Deathly Hallows. Well, I think I find that very interesting because uh, it's, uh, it's often those things that just strike you like lightning that are the right things. 
you know, sometimes you have to work very hard for something and finally something shifts in your brain and you just think, yes, of course, that's it. But I love it. There's no better feeling than when it just comes out of nowhere and you think, ah, perfect, thank you. Don't forget to tune in next week, guys, for part two with J.K. Rowling. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) This week's Pottercast was produced by the Pottercast Trio and Steve Bonnet. Thanks, as always, to our awesome transcription elves for transcribing this and all our other episodes on Pottercast.com. For more information about the show and how to contact us and be a part of future episodes, visit Pottercast.com. Ew, there's something leaking out of your cauldron. It's getting all over my shoes. This cauldron's got a hole!